Well, good evening and welcome to St Alfred's for this wonderful Christmas Eve service. My name is Peter. I'm the Senior Minister of the Church. It's great to almost see you. I can't quite see much with the light shining in my, my eyes, but I can hear you. And it's wonderful to celebrate Christmas Eve together. One thing that's clear about Christmas is that Jesus came as a king. And we sing about this in our favourite Christmas carols, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, and Joy to the World, the Lord is Come, let Earth receive her King. And as we've just sung just now, Noel, Noel, born is the King of Israel. And the last song we'll sing tonight, uh, called O Holy Night, the King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials, born to be our friend. So we sing about this King, King Jesus. Why do we do that? Why do we sing about this baby being a king? Well, just look at what the angel Gabriel tells Mary. He says to her, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. There's the idea that he's going to be a king. He's going to have a throne. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Now, that's what Gabriel says to Mary. Your son is going to be a king. Now, that's a lot for a young, unmarried girl to take in. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to have a son. He's going to be great. You're going to name him Jesus. He'll be the son of God, the most high. And he's going to be a king in the line of King David. And his kingdom will never end. I suspect Mary didn't hear much after you're going to get pregnant. <laughs> that by itself would have shocked her. And that's what she asks the angel Gabriel about when she says, how's this going to happen when I'm a virgin? But maybe, just maybe, she heard the bit about a king because Mary, like all of God's people at the time, had been waiting for hundreds of years for a king like this. Ever since the early stages of the Bible story, God's people had been waiting for a king who would rule with justice and wisdom and who would be a person of peace and godliness. The closest they'd got in their history was a king by the name of King David, and even he had his flaws. He was a good king, but he was very human in lots of ways. And then after King David came all of these other kings who were corrupt and ungodly. They're more concerned about their own power than the good of the people. So now listening to the angel, maybe Mary hears that she's going to be the one to give birth to this long-awaited king. A king like no other, a king whose kingdom, strangely, surprisingly, amazingly, whose kingdom will never end, whose kingdom will last forever. 
Now, in another carol, which we won't sing tonight, called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, we sing these lines. Some of you may have sung this if you've been to church over the last month during Advent. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. Charles Wesley there, the writer of that, has picked up something of what the angel Gabriel is saying. There will be a king whose kingdom will never end, whose kingdom will last forever. Now, forever is a long time, isn't it? We're hard-pressed to think about tomorrow, let alone forever. Some of you have probably got a lot on your mind about tomorrow, haven't you? But imagine trying to think about forever. It's hard to imagine. But one thing it means is that if Jesus is king forever, he was not only born a king way back in Mary's time, he's still actually king here tonight. His rule has not ended. There has been no successor. He's not been usurped or deposed. He's still ruling over you and over me and over the world. And where some kings rule for their own power, to simply for their own pleasure, Jesus rules for our benefit and our blessing. His rule is good because he knows what's best for each of us. He knows what's best for human beings. For example, when Jesus says, love God and love your neighbour, he's telling us the best way to live because love is the best way. When he tells us to forgive people, he's telling us the best way to live because it's better to forgive than carry grievances through life. When he tells us not to worry, he's telling us the best way to live because what does worry ever achieve? It doesn't achieve much, does it? When he says to come follow him, he's telling us the best way to live, to be a follower, to be a disciple. And when he tells us we have a father in heaven, he's telling us that we are loved, that our lives have meaning and purpose, and no matter how lost or how lonely we feel, that we have an eternal home. We have a purpose. We have a destiny. You see, Jesus as king rules for our, our blessing and our benefit. My wife and I became grandparents a couple of months ago. This is not our grandson. <laughs> and I've been surprised at how interested people have been in the birth of our grandson. And I think it's because there's something inherently joyful about babies. Babies generate congratulations, cards, and celebration. Babies make us smile and feel hopeful and optimistic and just a little bit gooey at the knees. The safe delivery of any baby is always good news. At the core of the Christmas story is a universal birth story. It's a story we can all identify with because we've all been born. We were all babies once upon a time. And when little Jesus is born out in the back shed, we rejoice with his parents because despite everything, a safe birth is always good news. 
And yet this birth story is not like all of ours. Our babies come into the world surrounded by nurses, midwives and doctors. Jesus came into the world surrounded by animals, angels, shepherds, donkeys, dirt. We wait nine months for our babies to come out. But this baby had been expected for hundreds and hundreds of years. For us, conception occurs when a sperm meets an egg. But Mary's conception was the work of the Holy Spirit. Try explaining that to the registrar of births, deaths and marriage when he asks who the father is. So yes, this is a birth story, like every birth story, a mother gives birth to a baby, but it's also a birth story unlike any other birth story. Mary gives birth to the very Son of God, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. On that first Christmas, a king is born, the true king whose reign is eternal and good. And he is calling each and every one of you here tonight to bow your knee in humble obedience, to recognise that he's not just a king, but he's your king. Now, I know that there are many people here tonight who believe this. You call yourself Christians, and in following Jesus, you've allowed Jesus to rule and govern your life. You have a deep-seated sense of purpose in your lives, and you delight in serving God and serving others. You're here tonight to rejoice and praise God for the miracle of Jesus' birth. You know that faith doesn't guarantee everything will work out in your life, but you trust Jesus and you're willing to put your life in his hands. But I also know that there are lots of other people here tonight who are not yet able to say that. Perhaps you've been too busy, perhaps you're too cynical or too hurt to believe in Jesus or too uncertain and you're not ready to make some big commitment of faith and maybe you've got good reasons to be cautious. That's okay. I know that Christmas presents a paradox. How can this baby be a king over everyone and ruler of all? How can a baby in a manger sustain the universe and deserve the worship of all humanity? Those are good questions. That's what one writer calls the scandal of Bethlehem, where we see the perfect conjunction of impotence and omnipotence, a baby and yet a king. Now, at lots of levels, it doesn't make sense. So if you're here tonight and you're not sure or you have solid reasons why you're not a believer, Maybe what God is asking of you is just the smallest opening in your heart, just enough space to give God a few minutes of your time for further consideration of this wonderful story. What have you got to lose? I don't blame you if you need more time to think about this. Now, if you have a few minutes over the next few days, and would like to read a little bit more about Jesus, please take a copy of a small booklet that I've left at near the foyer doors called Why Christmas. 
In a few short pages, it will raise some questions like, why celebrate Christmas? Why bother with Jesus? Why did he come? Who is Jesus? Those sorts of questions. Please take it as a gift because we would be delighted to help you think further about Jesus. And if you're intrigued and would like to follow that up more, you might like to join us later in the year to do an alpha course where you can ask further questions and get some further understanding of what Christians believe. Shortly in the service, the band will play a song to you called Manger Throne. I like the conjunction of those two words, manger and throne. In my mind, manger throne is an oxymoron. Putting two words together that are contradictory in some way, like working holiday or reality TV. or showing one of my uh, pastimes, Big Bash Cricket. <laughs> That's oxymoronic, it has to be. <laughs> Manger Throne expresses that paradox I mentioned earlier of how the impotence of a baby and the omnipotence of a king come together in Jesus. He rules from a manger a vulnerable baby, and yet the king of the universe. This is who we are worshipping tonight. This song will finish with these words. Glory be to you alone, king who reigns from a manger throne. My life, my praise, everything I own, to Jesus the king on a manger throne. One thing that's clear about Christmas is that Jesus came as the king. May you know Jesus the king in your life. May God bless you and your family. May you find faith in Jesus, enriching and give you purpose in your life. And may God bless you this Christmas and continuing into the new year. Amen.